0: So, hello and welcome to another episode of the most comprehensive B2B outreach, po- outreach podcast sweet list. It, this is the final episode, so let's uh, say hello one more time to Dancha, business founder and CEO, and certified management consultant, and Natasha, business outreach CEO. Uh, they have uh, selflessly given us a lot of recommendation and insights in the previous episodes. Uh, the last time we spoke about how to execute the outreach campaign and now our focus will be on how to optimize it and how to make sure that it's a real success. Uh, so you might be wondering, why should I uh, keep track of everything if I'm doing everything uh, for myself? So is reporting uh, and keeping track of the campaign important
1: and why? Um, of course, that is important. Uh, the, that gives you an insight uh, if the campaign uh, actually is performing well. So that's why we use several matrices that uh, we keep track on. And based on that, we decide if we should do some optimization to the campaign. Uh, generally in BISB, we uh, uh, we are measuring the acceptance rate as we previously discussed, the reply rate. And we also measure, we actually uh take into consideration the type of responses that we are receiving. So uh, we uh, keep track on how many positive, how many negative, how many neutral responses we had, and we also keep track on the uh, meetings, uh, the number of meetings, the meetings rate, the interested rate, and so on. Um, so those are uh, mainly the things that we are uh, keeping track of and uh, of course, if we are having an automated campaign, we can get most of the numbers and the statistics from the automation tool because the automation tool is already counting everything and we just uh, take the numbers and put in our reporting spreadsheet. While if we have a manual campaign, then we uh, actually need to add all of the prospects that accepted, replied to us, and we have actually visually can see all of the prospects who are part have been part of the campaign and engaged with us somehow, um, so that's the best way. But uh, yeah, generally speaking, the reporting is very important.
2: And I'm I'm remembering uh, Natasha when when we started with the campaigns, the first few years, uh, we were actually reporting everything, and by everything is like, well, you have two hours of execution, then five hours of reporting because you want to keep track of absolutely everything, not even knowing. Whether you need it or not. And that's one of the traps that we saw several times is that when you don't know what's important, keep track of absolutely everything. And then later you'll figure out whether you need it. And that proved to, to take a lot, a lots of time. And I'm saying this that because afterwards we said, well, you know what? If we're looking at the campaign, what are the key things that we should look at? And as a, if we're looking at it as a funnel, Well, first stage of the call prospect is to accept us on LinkedIn or to to connect, which is acceptance rate. And then the next one is that, well, we start with the sequence and we start sending messages, so we expect them to respond. So that's the next KPI, the response rate. Uh, And the, the last part is that how many of them are actually getting to a meeting. Now, of course, we go into the type of responses, how many are positive, how many are negative, but I've realized that some people are measuring absolutely everything, while if you simplify it, you actually need the report. And the, the main reason why we, we want this kind of reports is that how can you actually improve something if you're not keeping a track of it? It's like uh, in the first months, I mean, we were getting some results. It's like five meetings per month. Is that good or bad? And I was like, well, I don't know. I need to have multiple reports I can benchmark with, with other companies, I can benchmark with other months in order to know whether a number is good or bad. Or if you don't have a report, how would you know what is your acceptance rate? Because if it's 5% acceptance rate, you need to change something. Something is wrong. If it's 70% acceptance rate, don't touch everything. It's perfect. But how would you know whether it's 5 or 70 unless you have some type of, of reporting? And I've, I mean, there are so many ways how you can keep track of everything. I mean, there are CRMs uh, which like HubSpot, Salesforce and many others that have it all into your pipeline in, into your sales pipeline. And I think that correct me if I'm wrong Natasha, we we actually use Google spreadsheets because first it's a template that we can we already pre-sorted and everything, but also as a spreadsheet it gives a real-time access to to our clients so they can just connect and see in the real-time about how, how the campaign is, is progressing.
1: Yeah, that's right. We use uh, Google Spreadsheets. We have the template where we uh, actually keep track on all of these numbers that we have just discussed, and uh, clients can take a look at any time. And, uh, uh, of course, if they uh, notice something, uh, we can immediately react to that and adjust the campaign accordingly.
2: And um, the the primary reason why why the reporting is a key aspect of, of any campaign is that it helps us improve improve the results of the campaign because by tracking the the key things in the campaign we can actually do the the optimization and uh, in Bizbee I mean we do the the optimization on a monthly basis on a maximum once per month so. If something happens, we even do meetings more frequently. But when it comes to the campaign optimization, once a month, we actually try to look at the data and we try to interpret, I think it's the right word here, because number is number. If you don't know what to do and what does it mean, it's, it's always a struggle. And I find that really interesting because I feel like a doctor, because you sit with the client and then you're looking at the numbers like a blood result. And you're like, ah, but the white cells are low and the red cells are too high. And it's similar with with this, is that ah, but your acceptance rate is sixty-five percent, which is perfect, but your response rate is actually kinda low. And based on those metrics, you know where, where the tweaks in the mess, in the campaign should happen. Whether the profile needs tweaking, whether the, the messages or or whether whether different things needs to be be done.
0: Of course. So if some, we need the reporting, uh, to know if something is going good or if something is going bad. And then, of course, using the agile approach, uh, we can A-B test, uh, if something can be improved. And talking about A-B testing, uh, what are the best uh, ways to approach this?
1: Uh, when it comes to the A-B testing, uh, we're doing that on a several levels uh, throughout the campaigns. So, uh, for example, as we said, each part of those matrices have their own factors that are affecting them. For example, the acceptance rate is affected mostly by the invitation message or the profile or the target audience. So if we notice a lower acceptance rate, then we work towards uh, changing uh, something into those factors that are affecting the acceptance rate. Uh, on the other hand, the reply rate is uh, mostly affected by the message sequence or the target audience. So if we notice that we have a lower reply rate, uh, we will either change something into the um, target or into the messages or, I don't know, for the meetings or the interested prospects, uh, usually the main factors are, again, messages, but uh, at the end also the credibility of the client, their uh, social proofs, their marketing efforts, and so on so uh each element each part of the campaign is affected by different things, and uh, those are the things that we are uh that when where we are doing a b testing or trying different things so if we're speaking of the invitation message, if we uh started with some personalized messages and we don't see a lot of uh a uh, uh, good acceptance rate, we will try with an empty invitation message or with a more simple one um. If we notice um, that uh, we don't get a lot of replies, then we'll try to switch some to change something into the duality message, or uh, we'll see on which message we have uh, highest response rate, and we will keep that one as it is, and we'll do some changes to the rest. So that's generally how we are doing the AB test.
2: It's, it's really a doctor's approach. And I mean, for us, and I think for the client, ideally is that in the planning stage, if we make it right, and in the first one, they get fantastic results. And in that case, they're like, don't touch everything. The campaign works, it gives the desired results, don't touch everything, because we're happy, the client is happy, and everybody are happy. However, there are cases where the campaign is not giving the desired result, and then there is a lot of additional effort from our end to, to find the problem. It could be a small thing as, Previously on some of the podcasts, Natasha mentioned that just a change in the title of the profile that significantly improves the acceptance rate. And it could be a small insignificant thing for us, but actually is making a significant uh, problem onto the campaign. And maybe that's the, the agile approach that Vera mentioned, that sometimes when we see that things are really out of the ordinary, even the first two weeks, we are like, okay, we need to consider changing something because something is wrong. We have no idea at this point what is it because it's really early into the campaign. Because in the first two weeks, you've sent few hundreds, two hundreds invitation. Not every, day, not everybody yet accepted. and Not everybody yet still started receiving the messages. But you know that something is wrong at this stage when you start seeing some weird numbers, like nobody accepted you in the first two weeks, and then something is really wrong and in that case we're not going to wait for a whole month to do ab testing but we are immediately trying to to bring back the campaign on its right track but on the monthly meetings is usually really to see whether okay we got 50% acceptance rate is there anything that we can do to bring it to 60 and you cannot know until you try and maybe that try will bring it from 50 to 30 so we're like, okay, that's not the solution, bring it back to the, whatever it was. Or maybe it brings to 70, so now we are a step further. And, you know, from experience, we know what works and what doesn't. But for each client, client, is so different that we need to do these tests on each campaign in order to, we know generally what should work and what shouldn't in that particular, but then we have to test it for for each client specifically.
1: Yeah, that's why we uh, usually say that uh, it requires a few months before we realize what is the right solution for the client because uh, during those uh, few months, uh, we are uh, doing all of those tests and trying different things. And uh, after that, then we can make some uh, more conclusions because, uh, of course, the testing takes some time. And uh, if you don't try different things, you will never know.
2: And I think that when it comes to testing, Even with other campaigns, even if you try to do ads, for example, is trying different creatives, try different hooks, try different target audience in order to see what resonates with the target audience. And again, everything is based on market feedback because we try with these messages, with this profile, we're trying to see the feedback. Are they interested in the product? Are they interested in accepting? No, well, okay, let's try to make some changes to to try different hooks to get a different feedback from the market. And that is just for the, just because we believe that uh, by optimizing the campaign and by the compounding, the main goal is to figure out how the client can maximize the results from, from the outreach campaign. And maybe that's not the smartest, but that's the, the only part of the campaign that is really based on experience. Because uh, if you're new into the outreach, and 25% acceptance rate doesn't mean anything to you. Is it a lot? Is it too little? But by working with hundreds of different campaigns, we can immediately have ideas on, on how to make better, how to get better results, and what kind of tweaks and changes we, we can do in order to to second month to be better than first month, the third month to be even better than the, the second. And that's the optimization and the cumulative.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what uh, popped into my head as you were talking uh, that even if you get uh, everything going, uh, then you really need the expertise uh, to test and uh, benchmark or the experience, uh, because even if you change, if you think that it doesn't work, maybe it does for your target and for your kind of solution. And on the other hand, if you start testing and change everything, then how would you really know what is working and what is it?
2: That's also good that you've mentioned, Vera, is key thing that we try to explain clients is that we should change one variable at a time. I don't know, sometimes clients are like, let's change the target and let's change the message and let's change the profile. And then we're like, well, if it doesn't work, is it because of something? But even if it's worse, if it works, it's because of which variable that we've changed. So we really try to make it statistically with one variable at a time to see whether that particular change impacts the campaign or, or it is insignificant and we can just return it to the back. So that is also another thing that we have to take care of while, while doing the A-B testing. It's really A and B where everything else is the same and there is only one change so we can... Track the impact of that single change rather than multiple changes at the same time
0: nicely put and what uh, we also touched upon in the previous episodes, I think that even if you have everything one point and you have the perfect messages and the right target and the right profile and everything uh still if your if your credibility doesn't look like it's supposed to, then there is not much that we or you yourself can uh, do when it comes to the outreach because outreach can't perform miracles by itself. <laughs> so uh, what kind of marketing support uh, is essential for outreach? Um,
2: it's funny, we're, we're seeing here at BSB, it's like it's very easy to do outreach if you're using Bill Gates' LinkedIn profile. I mean, whoever he outreach, people will be Bill Gates, I'm so excited you connect me. Let's jump on a call. And regardless what kind of profile he has, regardless of what kind of product he has in mind of of reaching out, Bill, it's Bill Gates. I mean that's the that's the marketing support that really helps in in our campaigns. And it it changed a lot, Vera, because when we're talking with startups and entrepreneurs, they they are still new on the market. They're not still yet established. It's much harder to do a campaign that will give fantastic results. We still manage to deliver results, but it's completely different compared to a, a well established company with a well recognized CEO. It doesn't have to be internationally recognized. It could be that the CEO is locally recognized in the community that he's reaching out to. It's still like, ah, but this guy, I know you. So it's, it's much more easier to, to connect. So. The, the personal branding significantly impacts our acceptance rate because if they know you, you have a higher chance to be accepted. Conver- conversation rate, conversion rate, response rate is much easier because they are eager to talk to you. And meeting rate is even fantastic because, yes, if you are, okay, maybe not a celebrity, but if you have a strong personal branding, it's going to make the entire outreach process smooth. And... We are doing some some part in that regard, and to add here just one more thing is that also if you don't have a website, it really diminishes your personal but also company brand compared to when you click on someone's website and you see some fantastic results and, and social proof rather than, well, I don't have a website, but I want to offer you a very expensive consulting service it's It's really hard to to get someone on a call with with that setup that, that we have. So what we've learned is that it is really important to also see what is the marketing support that they that the company has for the outreach. And there are several things that we look into. I mean, first is the, the social media content, whether that person is active in creating social media content. And not just content in regards to my company's hiring or my company's expanding, but more in the regards of top leadership posts. Posts that are positioning yourself as an authority, as a thought leader. And uh, funny to to mention here is that we saw that not a lot of people have the experience there. So we've added that to our BSB services. So now we even help our clients when they say, Well, I also want to to become a thought leadership. We're actually helping them with the social media thought leadership post uh, for LinkedIn more specifically, but for their Personal profile and for their business profile. So, when we send them an invitation to someone else, so when I get an invitation, when I look at that profile, I can see that he has several posts that are intriguing, that I'm curious to learn more, or he's sharing something personal about his life, which is similar to me, so I can actually connect with, with that person. So, a recommendation to everybody that is planning on starting with the outreach start posting on social media linkedin in particular and not any kind of post but actually more toward the the thought leadership post where where you're trying to to reflect on things in your life and how it's actually connected to to business so that's one thing that really helps us into getting better results with the outreach campaign and the the other one is the blog posts i mean i know that it's expected that every website should have several blog posts but We are looking at the blog post really as a way of uh, the client to establish its authority and credibility, Uh, especially marketing, especially into the consultancy. Uh, If I read a blog from you, which is really well-written, well-taught, and it's full with free value and expertise, then there is really higher chances for me to come on a call because I'm like, okay, if you manage to write this good article, that means you really know what you're doing and I want you to help my business. And I've realized that, yeah, some companies are just doing blocks for the sake of blocks. You know, quantity, create a block, random, add some SEO so it would be a good SEO thing. But when it comes for the outreach purpose, it's really value-driven blocks that the emphasis is on the client. I mean, that's the only way how we can boost the authority and the credibility. And we've started doing something about that in Visby as well. Uh, it's still experimental, but we are trying to to help our clients create uh, blocks on their behalf as well. Uh, but, okay, this became a long conversation from my end <laughs> myself. But just to add, while I have it in my head, is that really when we're looking on the marketing support, uh, it really helps on the social proof, especially if the client has a lot of uh, testimonials or case studies, or if they already worked with some big names, like a consultant that already worked with Deloitte or Waterhouse or other big names that are known in the industry. It, it helps a lot. Or if the client already has some free value lead magnets, whether it's uh, an books that he has written, whether it's some webinars pre-recorded or live, whether they're white papers that they create. But as you can see, all these are marketing assets or marketing activities that are not directly related to the outreach, but they're directly significantly impacting the, the outreach process. Because like it or not, if I am getting a new friend on LinkedIn, I want to check them out. I want to see what they have done. Maybe they've written something. I want to see the level of credibility that they have before considering whether I want to to come on a call. And maybe that's the part where I will even check out their website and see if they have any blogs or if they've they've written a book on the subject. So are are they key experts on the problem that I'm having? Or they're just a generalist that, you know, I can help any problem for any company from around the world. And in that case, it really it's a weak message. However, if they are a key technical expert in that particular key area that I need help in, then that's really increases the chance that I'm going to get on a call with him and ask for an advice on how he can help my company. Uh,
1: speaking of that, uh, I would say that, uh, lastly, maybe uh, it's the solution itself. Uh, that impacts the campaign. Because if the client has an attractive solution that is highly in demand on the market, then the campaign will go smoothly without any problem. Of course, there is a buyer for every solution or for every product, but uh, we will, of course, there will be probably some calls and everything, but uh, if the solution is attractive or is solving some problem for the clients, then uh, the campaign will be successful. So, um, There are some solutions that um, either have a lot of competition, so it's very difficult to reach out to the audience, or uh, the people are already using that from a different supplier, so it's very difficult to get them on a call or switch to another supplier. Uh, Or I don't know, there are other cases where uh, the solution itself won't uh, help them in any way, so they're not interested to come on a call. So that has a very big impact on the campaign results as
2: well. Yeah, whether the market is a good fit to the product or the product is, is a good fit to, to the market. And I also find it quite interesting, Natasha, especially when it comes to content, is that usually the clients that we work with are considered as an experts in the field, but when there is a high competition, finding the, the unique angle, the differentiation from the competitors, is always a key thing. I mean, now recently we were working with a software company and they said, well, there are so many software development companies, so let's start with offering SEO as an entry service to, to the through the door. And after that, after we build the initial relationship, we can then look at their software development needs. So there are also maybe not the free value, but not cheaper services. Entry level services because or always
0: hanging fruit.
2: Yeah. Always hanging fruit. Exactly, Vera. Because if someone comes to me and say, Hi, I'm selling something for 50,000 euros. Would you be interested? Even if I'm interested, I don't know the guy to trust him with 50,000. But if he said, Well, I actually have a much simpler service, which is few thousand euros that I, that I need. I would consider I would use it. And then when he comes for the 50, he's already established some relationship with me. And if I'm really happy with the previous service, there is a much higher chance for me to think, well, you know what? I believe you now. I know that you're going to give a fantastic service. Let's let's do even the most expensive because it's going to give a lot of value to my company.
0: Makes perfect sense to me. And I think that uh, we covered almost everything that there is. So this is our final episode of uh, this podcast series. I thank you for everything that you shared and uh, for your time as well. I believe that uh, whoever listened uh, learned quite a few things. And if they want to read a bit more, then of course they can buy Dancho's book uh, at danchodimkov.com so uh thank you once more uh for everything that was all well till now and of course if anyone would like to get get in touch with dan and natasha they can uh contact us through our website or on linkedin or just feel feel free to connect anywhere
2: yeah and, and in closure vera i also wanted to say thank you for driving us through the journey of, of prospecting with this oof 10 episode already i mean. I really believe it's a prospecting journey. It's not just a step, do one, two, three, but it's a journey. And then you, how it, how it was at right, rise, rise and repeat, optimize and repeat. And it's an ongoing process. And I really hope that the, the people that are listening to this podcast will consider it, even try it on their own, and hopefully get some great results out of the prospecting because we've done it a lot. We've seen some significant results and uh, as a company owner i mean especially in the high ticket service providers there're not a lot of channels available for growing your business on on the right way so i wanted vera to to thank you for for giving us the opportunity and and, and asking the right questions through through this podcast series
1: uh yeah thanks for me as well and uh i hope considering that this was my first podcast i hope that the listeners will like it and they will find some they will find it helpful and will listen to it again uh it was
0: a pleasure uh talking and listening uh, to everything so hopefully we get another opportunity to do this again
2: yes bye bye
0: everybody bye bye